This week's Torah portion of Mishpatim has many fascinating mitzvos in it, many fascinating laws. And one of them is that if you see the donkey of your enemy crouched under its uh, weight, the weight of its packages, and, and you, so the verse says, which as Rashi explains, you, uh, and you will withhold from helping him, you have a commandment to help him. It means if you see a donkey that's uh, burdened by its uh, packages and therefore is crouched, even if that donkey is the donkey of your enemy, then you have a mitzvah to help the person and you should not withhold from helping him. The mechilta, which is a medrash, um, explains that there are times when you may withhold from helping the person. What are those times? So the Mechotah gives two examples. One example is when the donkey is owned by a Gentile, even if the packages are those of a Jew, then you're not obligated to actually um, help raise up the donkey. Um, a second scenario is if one is a Kohen and the donkey is in a cemetery where a Kohen is forbidden to go into a cemetery, then a Kohen is um, exempt from, um, having, from going to help the donkey. So when the verse says you will withhold, that you may want to withhold from helping him, that itself alludes to the fact that there are times when you are, are, are meant to or are permitted to withhold from helping. That's what the Mechotah says. Now Rashi um, gives us uh, two parts to Rashi. The first part of Rashi is what I just mentioned, that Rashi says, that you should put a question mark in that verse to say, and you're going to want to withhold from helping your enemy, you have to help him even if he's your enemy. And then Rashi continues and, uh, and, and leans on what the Mechilta teaches. However, Rashi writes it differently. So Rashi says, and the Medrash tells us, that there are times that you can withhold from helping the person. One scenario is when, when the person is a zakin, an, an elder, um, someone who is an older person, and it would not be dignified for him to engage in, in, in taking packages off the donkey and then re, um, resorting them on the donkey so that the donkey can stand. Um, so that would be one scenario where the person would be exempt from um, helping the, um, the, the, the owner of the donkey. And the second is uh, um, the, the scenario that the, uh, that the Mechilta uses where it's the donkey owned by a Gentile, even though it's packages of a Jew, that also he can withhold from helping if he would like to. Now we notice right away that firstly, Rashi does not quote um, the same two scenarios that the Mechilta quotes. He only repeats one scenario of the Mechilta. And the second scenario, he, uh, scenario, he uses a different scenario of an, uh, an older person, not the scenario of a coin in the cemetery. And he also reverses the order, where in the Medrash, it, for the Mechilta first mentions the uh, scenario of a donkey owned by a Gentile. And Rashi mentions that as the second scenario, and he mentions as the first scenario, the scenario of an, uh, of an older person. Why is this? Um, and um, th there are a number of other nuances that we find in Rashi, uh, which raise, through uh, precise analysis, raise questions. So the, the first thing we need to know is that Rashi, in general, has no intention of listing scenarios to bring out uh, an expression of what a verse is teaching us. Rashi really has only one objective. And Rashi's one objective is, that we should understand 
simply what the verse is saying. So if Rashi is bringing down the Mechilta with these scenarios, he must, there must be something that's disturbing Rashi, and where Rashi would say that if someone reads this verse, they're not going to understand exactly what the verse is saying, and therefore I have to bring these scenarios in order to explain the verse. And once we're on this path of understanding why Rashi is bringing down scenarios, that's going to help us understand um, why Rashi brings down these particular scenarios and in the order that he brings them down. You see, when someone looks at this verse, they may say, why does the Torah come and tell us this? Um, that you cannot withhold from helping the person, but you have to help the person with their donkey. The, the simple um, the, the assumption would be that because the verse says, if you see the donkey of your enemy, so one would think, okay, a friend I have to help, an enemy I don't have to, have to help, comes the verse and says, you think that you can withhold from helping him, you have to help him. However, if that in fact was the objective of this pasuk, of this verse, then in the previous verse, it gives us another scenario. It says that when you encounter the ox of your enemy or his donkey wandering, that means it got lost, you have to have a mitzvah of, of, of um, hashavas haveda, returning a lost object, of returning that, this animal to your enemy. Over there also, the previous verse speaks about a, a scenario with an enemy and doesn't say that if you encounter the donkey or the, uh, or the, the ox or the donkey of your enemy lost, and you will consider withholding from returning it. The, the, the verse doesn't say that. The verse just says straight. If you see the, the ox or the donkey of your enemy lost, return it. So clearly, we're not the, 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 the point that it's, it, it's, it's the um, animal of an enemy um, it doesn't require the, 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 the Torah to address the, the, the thought that maybe I'm not obligated to return it because it doesn't address that issue in the previous verse. And in general, the entire Torah tells us to do many different things. And the Torah doesn't say, and if you think that you don't have to do it, you have to do it. The Torah tells us what you have to do. So why over here suddenly does the Torah give us a clause and say, if you think that you don't have to. In other words, it's, it seems clear, the Rebbe is explaining, that, that Rashi is wondering, what is it in this scenario that would make someone think more than any other case any other scenario that they they may not have to be obligated to help their enemy there must be some other some other thing uh, not just that it's an enemy but that there's some reason why the person can justify why they would not be obligated to help the the person so this is and this is what rashi explains so rashi therefore rashi uses the case of the donkey owned by a gentile and the case of an elder and he and he specifically mentions the case of an elder where it would defy his dignity uh, and honor if he were to help. He mentions that case first. Um, and the reason why is for this reason. In the case of an elder, uh, of an elderly person, um, we see that if an elderly person is exempt from helping someone whose donkey is now, uh, has now fallen down from the weight of the packages, we're demonstrating that even one's dignity takes precedence over helping uh, a person in this situation. Uh, it, it tells us as well that all the more so if someone is weak, they're physically weak, that they would be exempt from helping. If, the, if for, just for dignity you're exempt from helping, then surely for, if someone's physically weak, they would be they would exempt from helping. So immediately we see that there are 
a, a, a good number of situations where a person would be exempt from um, from helping a person and a, a fellow person's uh, donkey. The moment we have such a situation, we already um, have the possibility of people um, creating justifications and gray lines. They say, well, I'm not such a strong person. People are stronger than me. I'm also an honorable person and, and um, it, it wouldn't be honorable for me to do this, etc., etc. So, so number one. And then, the, then Rashi gives us a second example. Um, now, the, and the reason why Rashi uses this example first is because this example is a very clear example that would create very easy justification for people to, to, to justify not having to help the person with their donkey. The second scenario is not as strong of a justification, but also creates an opening for justification. And that says that when it's a Gentile's animal, um, where one is not where the Torah does not obligate us to help um, this animal rise up. Now, what does this tell us? It tells us something very significant, actually. If, if we were just to observe this verse on our own, we would think that the reason why we have a mitzvah to help the donkey is because of what's known as sar balechayim, because of the suffering of the animal, which the Torah is very sensitive to. One's not allowed to create suffering for an animal. So we think if an animal is suffering and you're there and you can help, you have, a, you have an obligation to help. But comes the Torah and says, actually, that's not, that, 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 that's, not, that, that's not the reason for this mitzvah. The proof that it's not the reason for the mitzvah is because we're taught that if it's a Gentile's donkey, you're not obligated to help. Now, if the reason was because of, of suffering of the animal, then it would make no difference who owns the animal. So the fact that you're only obligated to help when it's a Jew's uh, uh, donkey and not a Gentile's donkey is a sign that's not to relieve the pain of the animal. And if it's not to relieve the pain of the animal, so then, again, there's, it, it opens up room for justification. Uh, because not in every scenario is one obligated to go and help and go and help the animal. Um, so, so addressing the psych and, and the rebel also explains that in fact, um, as many times as one is obligated to help, one's also not obligated to help. It's not as if the default is that one has to help the donkey that's crouched under its uh, under the weight of its packages. But there are certain exemptions. The rebel actually explains that it's equal. Or sometimes you have to help, and sometimes you don't have to help. It depends on the scenario. And if that's the case, that weakens the commitment one feels towards fulfilling this mitzvah, because there, there, there are many options uh, um, that, that can give a person an out from doing it. And, when, and being that the psychology of a person is that we justify with our biases as to why we shouldn't be obligated to do something. So therefore, Rashi... Rashi um, um, Rashi mentions these two cases to say that the reason why the verse comes and says, you think that you can withhold from helping him, that you're going to start creating justifications uh, based on other exemptions, that you should also be exempted. Don't create justifications. If you don't fit into one of the categories where you're truly exempt, you must help the person. And this is the reason why Rashi does not use the example of a Kohen where the donkey is in the cemetery. Because that's a very unusual, first of all, it's a very unusual case that a donkey should be in a cemetery. I mean, how frequently is a donkey in a cemetery? Number one. Number two, most people are not koanim. So it's not, it's a very rare and unusual case. And also, the, the reason why a coin is exempt from helping the donkey is not that 
they're exempt. It's a leniency that we're going to be easy on the coin that he doesn't have to help. It's actually because the coin carries a strict guideline of not becoming spiritually impure. So he's not allowed to go into the cemetery. It comes actually from a greater obligation on the coin, not a lesser obligation on the coin. So, um, <coughs> the reason, now, now, the reason why the Torah doesn't address these justifications when the, in the previous verse, which speaks about a lost object, um, is because returning an animal that got lost is not the same burden as loading a donkey with packages. If you have to schlub boxes, it's a, a person just thinks about it and is like, I don't have strength for that, or I'm not in the mood of that, right? We always push off things which require physical labor. And, but when it comes to a don- a, a, an ox or a donkey that's lost, you don't, have to, you don't pick it up. You just have to uh, lead it to its owner. It's not something which carries physical labor. And therefore, that justification, um, p- people won't seek out justification as frequently. In the same way, if somebody also lost, loses a, uh, an item, like uh, let's say that someone finds clothing that was lost, it also is not a, a major burden in, in most cases for a person to return a lost object. So therefore, the Torah doesn't need to say address the concern that the person will justify and say, maybe I don't have to return the object because the person is not seeking justifications as easily as in the case of loading a donkey. And, and there's a very uh, well-known teaching from the Baal Shem Tov on this Pasuk, where the Baal Shem Tov teaches a spiritual teaching, whereas the Baal Shem Tov does, um, he, 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 he uh, interprets the verse um, on a more spiritual level, he, he exposes uh, the mean that the, mm-hmm. a deeper dimension of the meaning that this verse carries, and that is that kisira chamar When you see the chamar, now the word chamar, which means donkey, chomer, the very same word also means the physicality. When you see the physical of your enemy um, burdened, azev tazivima, you should you should help it, and that re- that means. That th- this addresses a major dilemma that all uh, religious and spiritual people deal with. And, and that is, how do I deal with my body? My body seems to be in, uh, in the part of me, in contrast to my soul, which actually um, weighs me down, which actually keeps me attached to mundane things, which uh, actually has uh, desires which are not aligned with my, with my spiritual pursuits. So this, is a very, has been a very, this remains a very big dilemma. And different, um, and, and different, uh, you know, uh, spiritual. Appro- there are different spiritual approaches that people take to how to deal with the body. Some people try and run away from the body. That means they they, they shun the body. They become an ascetic, where they just engage in, in in spiritual pursuits and they try and stay away from the physical engagement. Some people get lost in the physical. Um, but but the Baal Shem Tov taught that azayv tazayv ima. You should help. The homer, the donkey, which is the physicality, you shouldn't abandon it. That don't see um, your physicality as an enemy, but turn turn this enemy into an asset by actually bringing the your 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 physical pursuits into um, an engagement, a service of God in a holy manner. That that engage the body and let the body engage in the physical world, but it should always be done in a holy manner instead of shunning the body and shunning um, the physical pursuits. And so, so the Rebbe explains so beautifully how Rashi is so aligned with this teaching. Because we also know that the, the Alter Rebbe teaches us in, in, in Tanya that 
part of what the Baal Shem Tov was addressing is that sometimes also when people would want to become uh, holier people, especially during his day, what they would actually do is they would actually inflict pain on the body. They would try, in, in certain respects, um, diminish the body a, a, as a way of, of, uh, um, of, of becoming more spiritual and less physical. There were people who would roll in snow. They would do different things to, to, in order to, um, to break if you will, the spirit of the body. And the Balshamta was very much against that. Therefore, the Balshamta also was not a big advocate of fasting as a way of ele- elevating oneself. And, and the Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya, the first uh, Lubavitcher Rebbe, was very much against um, fasting because that, that can deteriorate the body. And, and that will ultimately weaken a person's service of God. However, there are two, two, two exceptions. One exception is if a person sinned, if a person did a sin and they feel that in the, uh, the way for them to cleanse their soul from their sin uh, in order to do teshuva is through a fast, then a person is permitted to fast. Um, another example where, um, now when a person does teshuva for a sin, what happens when a Jew sins is that we enter, our body enters under the rulership of klipa, of negativity, of, uh, of the opposite of God. However, Someone who sins, even a Jew who sins, the Talmud tells us, is also filled with mitzvot, like a pomegranate is filled with seeds. That means every Jew has many, many good deeds. See, even, the, even when we sin and we're in a dark place and we're right now sort of being held by klipa, by negativity, by the, the, by the powers of the negative, um, but still this, this, uh, this person is still filled with goodness. Um, and, and as our sages teach us, that at any point a Jew is doing anything, his neshama, his soul, his divine identity, which is his divine soul, is always in complete faith with God. It's just that the person on a conscious level is out of touch with it. So, a donkey that falls, which means a person whose body falls into the domain of klipa, but he still has a load, and that is a load of the mitzvahs that he has. Um, so such a such a person, um, a, such a person, the chaldalta In that case, you don't have to help the physicality, but in that case, you can fast and actually break the physicality a little bit just to get out of the hold of the negativity and of the klipa. So, so Rashi brings this scenario, um, which was which would be the second scenario of 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 a, of a person's. Where, where the, 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 the donkey is owned by the Gentile, which means that the donkey is owned by the klipa, the negativity, the forces which are, which are against God. And in such a case, you have an exception where you don't have to help the donkey, but you actually fight the donkey through fasting. And a second scenario, which is really the first scenario that, that, they, that, that the Rashi brings, is that one is allowed to fast and, and not, be, not work with the donkey and help the donkey or work with the body and help the body because fasting is, is actually breaking the body. And that's when someone is seeking greater refinement. Sometimes it's not that a person sinned, but it's, it's just the fact that a person is seeking to be a more refined and more spiritual person. And the fact that they're living a life entrenched in the physical um, keeps them very much attached and uh, unable to reach the next level of refinement. And sometimes a, a temporary engagement of breaking the body through fasting, of disengaging from physical activity, that can help a person uh, raise themselves up. Now, um, in, in today's day and age, the Alt Rebbe strongly, strongly discourages 
fa uh, fasting even for these reasons because our bodies have weakened so much in today's day and age that means the last 250 years that it actually will ultimately uh, very likely hurt our service of god because when our body is weak then we don't function well and we don't serve serve god well so that's what the, why the altar encourages that even today we always help the body and um and what do we do instead of fasting we give tzedakah now giving tzedakah uh, for the most part, is much more pleasant than fasting, which is really something which uh, which you know people generally find very difficult to do. Uh, which is and the fact that we have weaker bodies is not by our own doing, but it's a, it's, it's a situation that God put us in. So God is actually setting us has set us up in the, in, in in the more recent generations where we don't need to suffer through um, through fighting against the body, but uh, on the contrary, we can do it in an easier fashion. And the and, and the main thing is that our body should be in alignment with our soul so that it's not fighting our soul, but it becomes an advocate for our soul and an asset to our soul and the tool through which the soul can achieve all of the goodness it does in this world.